it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to AGP. I am your host. I am Amanda Gillum. And on today, we're simply having a Star Wars story time. We are talking about Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and warning, warning, Danger Will Robinson, Danger Will Robinson, the dark side will be taking over us because we will be talking about spoilers. So please, if you have not seen Star Wars or Rogue One, a Star Wars story, sorry, I always want to call it Star Wars Rogue One, but Rogue One, a Star Wars story, you may want to hold off on listening to this particular episode because we will be talking about wonderful spoilers from the movie with Easter eggs in the whole nine yards right after we say thank you to our wonderful sponsors. So we want to give a huge shout-out to Hasbro Productions and their all-ages comic, Peanut Pudding and Jelly. We want to give a shout-out to Scott Comics and their all-ages comic, Our Superman, with yours truly, the inspiration behind one of the newest superheroes, Ghost Hunter. Of course, we also want to thank Mr. Mark Tidwell, comic creator of Images 68. We also want to thank Sean Forney Illustrations and their amazing independent comic, Scarlet Huntress. And, of course, we want to thank the Jim City Comic Con coming to you April 1st and 2nd, 2017 at the Dayton Convention Center. And of course, the wonderful Champion City Comic Con, which we'll have dates later for you, but it will be coming back in 2017. So on that note, I told everybody this is open mic night. So far, I have one person who has answered the call. That would be the man, the myth, the legend, the man who actually runs both of the shows that I just mentioned, Mr. Jesse Noble. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Amanda. So, I think I actually. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I I, I'm really close to having a date for C4 next year. (laughs) Awesome. See, see, you get nice, wonderful little spoilers right here, getting to know what's going on in the comic book industry as well. So, you were on last week. We were talking about some of our hopes and our wishes for Rogue One. Which yep. I know one of your wishes was to see a little bit of the tie-ins to Star Wars Rebels. Yep. Did you see them, and were you happy? Um, well, it was. I haven't seen Rebels, so what I was wanting, I wanted more tie-ins to the Clone Wars characters repeated, and and I didn't get that as much as I've read that there was lots of Rebels, um, lots of cool Rebel things, uh, Easter eggs throughout it, um, and. Rebels is on my to to do watch to watch list for the immediate future. As soon as I can find it streaming somewhere, I'll watch it all. Lady Vader. Hello. Hey there. Do you think? I think personally that Rogue One is on the same level, if not better, than Episode One. What do you think? Oh, this movie was absolutely fantastic. Much better than Episode One. It's the Episode One of our generation. Um, this is the prequel we all deserved. Wait, you mean There, look, let's all face it. In the 90s into the early 2000s, 
someone made some really terrible fan films that they dubbed uh, The Phantom Menace, uh, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I don't like those movies. I don't like those It doesn't even matter that they're, that they're called Star Wars, because I'm a huge Star Wars fanatic. But even if they weren't Star Wars movies, they're still bad movies. Um, Dude, fast them. forward they to are. now... They are Star Fast Wars. They are, I would say they are the quintessence of Star Wars, and I don't think I've seen a film that lives up to all of those together. I don't think anything else can beat that for Star Wars. But this movie was absolutely brilliantly done. Um, I got nervous at the first point when I was watching it because I didn't see a crawl. A girl, okay. So but you don't think I was like, just adding adding women to appeal to a larger fan base. They don't really care. They don't care about why they're adding a woman. They're just doing it to make more money. Here, no, I'll I think be honest. This, episode one is all about By the way, who who am I talking to? Jeb. Jeb? Jeb? Yes. Well, what... <laughs> Well, I'll be honest, I don't really pay attention to whether or not a character is male or female. I just pay attention if it's a character that I could care for and relate to, and I think they did a really great job with Jen. You said you didn't care until it was a female. No, I said I don't care if it's a male or a female. I've never paid attention to uh, male gender, female gender of any type of character. I just paid attention to the character development of a character. That's all I cared about. Okay, I see, I see. Um, what else? But yeah, well, um, I did get nervous when there was no opening crawl, and you know, it didn't have, you know, it's definitely a one-off sort of thing. It's not really tied aesthetically too much into the Star Wars movies as it is, but it was still. The rest of the thing was, I thought, was really good. Now the first, the first act was a little bit slow, but by the the last five minutes, I'm going to jump ahead. The last five minutes was was fantastic. I had goosebumps. Okay. All you have to mention about the ending of this is Darth Vader. Done and done. <laughs> I, I love Darth Vader mowed down all those people as they ran the plans back. Was, you can just see the pure terror on those poor little rebels' faces, and I'm just like, get them. Kill them all. I know he can't kill them all, but kill them all. Get them. <laughs> It did look like it did look like Leia fell down the uncanny valley, though. You know, I think for the fact of because let's say they did a lot of um, really nifty uh, holographic CGI stuff. So um, you'll notice that uh, Red Leader and Gold Leader were both CGI'd from the original Star Wars: uh, A New Hope. They were CGI'd into their characters, into their ships. Uh, Leia was CGI'd in because I didn't think they were actually going to show her face, and they sure as heck did. And I was like, yes. And of course, um, the man who was playing uh, Tarkin, they CGI'd uh, Tarkin's original face onto his, so it looked like it was the same guy playing him. And I thought they did a phenomenal job with all of that. Yeah, I thought it was so right. The only problem I have with uh, CGI and doing with humans is I don't. I just don't think it looks as good, and I think they should stick to just doing the alien creatures, and I would rather have seen Jar Jar in this movie. Do you agree? Um, to me, there is nothing wrong with CGI. 
I have a problem when you over-CGI something. Using a great balance of CGI and props, I have no problem oh, with. Yeah. Matter of fact, it, when you use the CGI and props, and you'll notice that some of the greatest movies from Jurassic Park to even Rogue One, um, to Rogue One, to The Force Awakens, um, anytime they use a combination of both the CGI and animatronics or puppets or anything else, I think it just is really amazing. Now, that's not to say that I still don't have a love for the fact, because let's face it, uh, Yoda in the prequel, those horrible prequel things that no one likes to talk about, didn't even look like he was really there, versus the puppet from Empire and Return of the Jedi. You knew Luke was talking to Yoda. He was looking straight at him. He was right there on the set. But with the few holographic G CGI things that they did for the characters, I thought they were very well done. And to me, I really didn't notice that big of a difference. It, for okay. me, it took it took me out of it when I when like when Tarkin was on the <clears throat> you know when Tarkin was there or when Princess Leia was there at the end, it took me it took me out of it. I was more looking at the technology, looking for mistakes, looking at what they might have done to her face um, and to how she was wrong, rather than just paying attention to the character. It took me out of it a little a little bit, but I don't know how they could have they could have communicated the import of that that moment those moments without using CGI since those, those, those actors have either died or, you know, aged 40 years. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it took me out of it a little bit. I mean, you can't always find somebody like the lady who plays Mom Martha, who looks like the original actress who played her in Return of the Jedi. We, you can't always get that lucky. Yeah, that was, that was fantastic. I, that was great. <laughs> Moving on. All right. So, Let's talk about some other really great cameos and uh, nice little nods to things. So we were talking a little bit about Rebels. Um, now, I'm a huge Rebels fan. I've been watching the show. Um, I love the fact that one of my favorite sarcastic droids in the Star Wars universe it was in it. Um, Chopper, yeah. he's not uh, right. on, on um, Yavin 4. Um, he's in the left-hand corner behind Mon Martha when uh, she's getting ready to sit down and talk to So I thought that was cool. Of course, the ghost ship is in there, which I thought was really nifty. I know. I recognize that during the film because I have seen a couple episodes of Rebels, and I recognize the ship. Um, uh, but I didn't know enough to say, yeah, that's definitely it, or maybe it's more of a common ship. But no, I guess I guess it was really that was it. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> of course, um, if you're watching very closely, you will see two very familiar faces. You will find two very familiar faces from Star Wars Episode Four in there. Um, which ones? Well, You're being too vague. They're, they're very wanton men. Oh, yes. And that was I, I was one of them because um, I, I went with my wife because we wanted to preview before I took the kids. And I went, oh, oh, that's them. And she's like, what? Who? Like, they're in the next movie. They're, they're wanted on, <laughs> on so many systems. Yep. That was awesome. Um, I can't remember their actual names. I always called the one guy Walrus Man. I never really... Um... I never really memorized their names. Um, it's like um, Dr. Evans. Is that how you right. pronounce it? I know I know the walrus guy is Ponda Baba. That I know. All right? Um, but it's like Dr. 
Evians or Evans or something. Like that. I don't know. Right. All I know is he's the one that he's the one the one that says the line, We are wanted men and I have the death sentence on twelve systems. I wonder if that's one of the twelve systems that he has a death sentence on. Could be. <laughs> But, I, I, but I, I did that. There was a cameo of his arm. His arm made it, you know, attached to his body in the in the movie. In the movie? Yes, in the movie. But it was just so funny because I'm sitting there with my sister. I'm like, Kathy, they're wanted men, and Kathy's like, Amanda, we're in the theater. Shh. <laughs> so, um, I want to talk a little bit about my man, the Lord of the Sith, Darth Vader. Do you I, think that they did justice to him? Yes or no? Yes, I was so pleased to finally see what people are always so afraid of. Um, just the the one, to, you know, just the brutality of it. We never we never got to see Darth Vader being, you know, a really badass. He, you know, he was defeated by um, by everybody that he went up against in all these movies. Um, and you know, any any real violence that that happened like in uh, episode three, was off camera for the most part, other than being destroyed by Obi-Wan. Um, but to see, you know, he, he scared me in that final scene. And I finally, it finally clicked with me that that's, this is the character that people are so afraid of. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Yeah. Now, at first, I was a little nervous. Now, one, I thought it was really yeah. cool that we actually finally got to see Darth Vader's castle, um, which, if you if you're anybody like me and, and has read a lot of Star Wars books, you already knew it was on Mustafar. Um, it was really cool to see that. But when he actually started um, talking, and then he started choking Director Krennic, right? And then he said, uh, you know, along the lines, I couldn't be quoting it wrong. I've only seen the movie once. I haven't had a chance to see it 50,000 times. I don't have that kind of money um, about choking on your own words. I was like, oh, please don't try to make Darth Vader like some funny man. (laughs) Like, I will beat the crap out of somebody. Because I was already going, well, the guys that they paid to play Darth Vader is a little bit more chunky around the neck. Because, of course, where you're looking at Leia to see what they got wrong, I'm staring at Darth Vader to see what they got wrong. Right. <laughs> and the first thing I noticed was the neck was much wider than David Prowse's was. And I'm just like, that doesn't look right. Like, you need to fix that. Like, seriously, you really need to fix that. Well, maybe it was just that, that version of the suit. I don't know. Right. I was kind of. I was. The one thing that always bothered me about episode four was, well, and and five and six is that Darth Vader is very stiff, very not fluid, and he's not. He doesn't seem like he's a master of some martial art at all. Um, right. So, see, seeing him in action was helpful to see how he could be or that he could be. But I was kind of hoping for an explanation as to why in those other movies he's not 100%. Like maybe he's got – somebody had postulated before that maybe he had just gotten a new cyber suit or maybe he had some uh, upgrades done that he were, that weren't fully integrated or something like that. That's why he was so stiff. But I still don't have a good answer. <laughs> well, actually, I think the movie kind of does answer that for you because when you first show up at Vader's palace, where do you see Vader at? He's in the back of the tank. Right. I mean, I'm sure because I mean, if you wa- if you actually watch 
the last prequel. Like, they slapped that suit on him with burnt clothes in his skin and all. So, obviously, his suit cannot be that comfortable to be wearing. It's got to give a lot of wear and tear. And after so many hours in it, it's got to be horrible for him and just very painful. I'm I'm thinking he used, he focuses a lot of the force to get through everyday activities so his suit doesn't bother him till he can get back to his castle and be in the back that he is probably the most relaxed ever. Right. Would you have liked better uh, character development in the film? I'm sorry. Would you? Would you? What, do you think that the? Do you think the character development was a little bit lacking? No, I think. I wouldn't say that it was lacking. I think more or less that it they did they developed the characters enough to where you understood their backstories, but. Well, let's here. Major spoiler coming up. Everybody dies. Everyone's dead at the end of this. So, I mean, how much character development do you do for a bunch of characters that are going to die? Like, you will never see them in any other Star Wars film ever. They're dead. They're gone. Their legacy lives on with Rogue Squadron for their name, and that's it. So how much time do you really develop on that versus the story that everybody wants to see of how do they get the plans of the Death Star to Leia? I agree. I think a lot of, a lot of the character development is done um, through, you know, they're, they're kind of using standard characters that, you know, they've we, from from literature and from movies, we're already familiar with the character, maybe not the name character, but you know, we've got the rebel the fighter, right? The, the the code hero, and you know, the archetypes. We're familiar with the archetypes, and that helps fill in a lot of the the gray area. You know, yeah, right. Redeem, yeah. A bunch of exposition. Characteristics like uh, right. the pilot who has to redeem his characteristics for all the killing that he's done in the name of being a rebel decides maybe to go on this journey with to get the plans. Because it's his way of redeeming himself for all the people that he killed in the name of saying, I'm doing this for a better cause. It's very typical characteristic that we have with the characters. So you can pretty much focus on the storyline. Because this, this movie is really driven more by story than it is by characters. Even though you have to give it up for K2. Best freaking droid, best freaking character stole the entire movie. I think so. He was... He, he was... That... that his self-sacrifice was 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 a good part of the movie. It, it I think it's the emotional heart of the movie, really. <laughs> so, um, one of the other things that I think everybody totally gleed over is blue milk! Oh, yeah. There was lots of little Easter eggs in it that were gratifying. And I do think that's a little bit of fan service, but I didn't mind. Oh, I loved it. I loved seeing blue milk. It was absolutely awesome. It was so really, I was like, yep, it's a Star Wars. It's like that, the blue milk solidified that it was definitely in the right galaxy. Like, there's no other place that you're getting blue milk. So you had to have the blue milk there. Now, um, I do want to say that I am so happy that I was completely right in the fact that I knew R2-D2 and 3PO would have to make an appearance somewhere. They've been in every movie. Yeah. And I was, and I'm actually really glad that they did CGI Leia in because that was actually one of the predictions that I made last week on ABC about Star Wars Rogue One. So it was a prediction that I made, and I was actually kind of cool. It was kind of cool to be like, "Yep, I was right. I'm awesome. That was really cool. Yay!" <laughs> um, 
I did get one prediction wrong. I was I assumed that Director Krennic was in the running for being the Grand Moff, and I was semi-right in the fact that I knew that him and Tarkin were going to have beef just based off of the video game of Star Wars Battlefront that I played. Right. But it was a little different, but it was it's so nice to see Tarkin being as conniving as he always was. Because um, I've read the book, Tarkin, and I thought that this version of Tarkin is definitely the character from the book. Um, you know, and I don't know, maybe in episode four, he feels more confident in his position, but yeah, he was much more the career, you know, extender little twerp that he, he was in those books. And and, and in even um, in the Clone Wars. He's in the Clone Wars, and he's kind of a twerp then, too. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it was really nice to see uh, Tarkin there and um, seeing how he's able to do the stuff that he always does. Um, I always pictured him to be that evil, you know, just off of his um, reaction with Leia going, oh, no, you're far too trusting. We'll still deal with your rebel friends on Dantooine, but let's go ahead and blow up your planet anyway. It'll be fun. Right. So what was one of your greatest highlights of the movie? Oh, for for sure. The uh, Vader, when you know, the, the, the smoke is there and all you see is the red lightsaber come up and then you just know that it's going to go down. It's just... That was the, that was the point where I was just like, oh yeah, here we go, yeah, and just you finally, I was ecstatic to see Vader finally be as bad as he, as I always knew he could be. <laughs> and of course, how excited were you to hear James Earl Jones' voice coming out of that? Um, that was another thing that took me out of it. I mean, it was it was nice that, that he came back, but it was. I'm sorry. It just I thought it was. I, I, he, he sounded older to me. I don't know. And I know well, he is. Gonna, but well, they, he just got out of the back of the tank. He's got still a little bit of water law going in there. That, that's all that that was. <laughs> right. No, but there's, uh, there's, there's been other voice actors that can, that, that do Vader really well. And it, it, it was like, again, that was a little bit of fan service, bringing back the old band back together. But yeah, I'm, I was, Glad to hear it and know that it was him and know that it wasn't another voice actor just by hearing his voice. But it oh yeah, it ha- it had a little bit slower cadence and a little less menace, a little bit more you know get off my lawn kind of. <laughs> that's that's wrong <laughs> to say, but you know. Even uh, though as cool as it was to see Vader though, just be like uh huh, all the way through. I thought it was. I think my favorite part of that. Hmm is the fact that he was, the look on his face when he watches the Tanta 4 just take off. And it's like, right, uh, crap. Like, right. Like, well, I like the reaction of the troopers behind him. Mm-hmm. That was one thing I noticed. They, they were kind of like, all right, let's uh, get out of throwing distance, choking distance. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was um, quite interesting to watch that. I really enjoyed it. Um, but I think the thing that most people are going to go in here and really be um, shocked by is the fact that everybody died. No right. one survived this movie. Unless, they're, unless they are a character within 
the next movie, they don't survive. Right, and that's something that Izzy pointed or made comment of when we were watching the movie. She's just like, everybody's gone. You know, everybody that I invested these last hour and a half or whatever long it was, and they're all gone. And that was actually one of the reasons why we decided not to, to bring Gray to it is that there's there's an awful lot of dying and death in it, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's PG-13 for a reason. Right. You know. But, yeah, everyone's, Very much. everyone's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And to me, I thought that was a very bold move because we've never had a Star Wars. I mean, even George Lucas wouldn't let Harrison Ford kill off uh, Han Solo. Right. So I thought that was a very bold move to do. Um, I mean, obviously, there was one character that had to die. Red Wolf had to die. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> you didn't see that one coming. I don't know what galaxy you're in. Right. Where was, and you know what? One disappointment in the movie was there was no – where was Porkins? Was he there? Did I miss him? Uh, I did not see him. Yeah, no. He's not he – was, he's like one of my favorite characters from the, from the first one because just – his name's Porkins. And where was he? <laughs> but we have to thank Red 5 for his great sacrifice. That way Luke could become Red 5 in Star Wars. So we appreciate right. sacrifice, Red 5. We really do. Um, of course, uh, going into that, I mean, um, did anybody catch the nod? Now, it wasn't Wedge Antilles, but it was Captain Antilles who got a nod in the movie. And if you don't know who Captain Antilles is, he's the one that Vader chokes and kills in Star Wars when he's asking where are the plans. Yep. And he's related, of course, to... Wedge. It's his father? I I think it's... I'm not sure, actually, off the top of my head. Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I Yeah, I'm... Yeah, I thought he was related. And there was something else. That, oh, my gosh. My biggest highlight of the movie was, well, not my biggest, but one of the best was when Out of the Shadows walks Bail Organa. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and that was one character that Izzy goes, I know him. I was like, yeah, that's Bail Organa. And then I kind of had to get, have the whole whispering, that's Leia's adopted father. You know, he adopted Leia. When, when did he adopt her? At the end of the third movie. Who? <laughs> he just... <laughs> Just, just watch. Just watch. Just watch. It'll be fine. Um, so I did a quick Google search on is Wedge actually related to Captain Antilles, and the answer is actually no. The thing no. is, is, Antilles is actually a common name in the Star Wars universe, like Smith is to our universe. Um, so there's multiple Antilles. That's I'm not buying it. That's what Google uh, says. I'm not buying it because, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming since See, it's... You wanted it's, to go with father. I wanted to go with uncle for well, I mean, something that for some reason. He's flying an Alderanian ship, right? So he's Alderanian. Does that make Wedge an Alderanian? And what's he doing? How, how's he know Luke? You know? I don't know. Well, I know that uh, Wedge is uh, from Corellia. That I know off the top of my head. Okay, well, how does so, he know Luke then? How, how are they How are they buddies? Because of Rogue Squadron. Who was the guy that they, he met on that he wanted to go... Nah, that, this, is a, that's a, this is a deleted scene. 
What's that guy's name? Okay. Um, Biggs. Biggs is the guy that you're thinking about with the black hair and the mustache who actually dies in the Death Star run in the first movie. All right. I, I'm just not such a big super fan. There's people right now just cursing me right now. They're like, how does he not know that? <laughs> His name is Biggs Darklighter. Okay. And they were friends, and the deleted scene you're talking about is uh, when Luke is actually at the Tossie station. And at the time, Biggs was working for the Empire and getting ready to leave to join the Rebels is the deleted scene you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> I have been corrected. Hi, Richard. Richard. You're Hi. On All right, Hi. How's everybody going? <laughs> We're doing Ka- fine. Just hey, do look, not a- start raving. <laughs> <laughs> so, Richard, you saw Rogue One? Yep. And? I loved it. Probably it has to go down in my top three Star Wars movies. It has to. Yeah, I liked it because it explained a lot. <laughs> a lot of gaps were oh. filled in, yeah. yeah. A lot of gaps were filled in. And I, like I said, this is the prequel we all deserve. This is what this is what we wanted to see. No one needed to see the story of Anakin Skywalker becoming Darth Vader. Yeah, we figured this out. It's okay. You know, I, I like my theory better of like Anakin and Obi Wan are fighting over a woman. I, I like that storyline better, so I'm sticking with that one. Yeah, I remember reading about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like that storyline much better. So, Richard, what was your favorite hidden special in Star Wars? Chopper. <laughs> Chopper. <laughs> it's just there for a brief second as he goes by. <laughs> so you've got so you got Chopper from Rebels, which we all know he's a smart butt. And then we have Take Two. And we all know he's a wisecracking droid, too. Who do you think would win in an argument between those two? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh-huh. That's like a reality show. <laughs> you know, the, the, the bot fighting show, you know, that was on NBC. <laughs> oh, right. my God. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I think my favorite scene, though, with K2 is just that scene where Jin hands him the blaster and he's like, oh, it's a blaster. <laughs> Like, I didn't think you could actually see a droid smile, but I'm pretty sure I saw that droid smile there. Oh, he was just absolutely amazing. So what was your guys' feel on Director Krennic? Oh, I, I I think he was a wannabe from the beginning. He, he was always, he wasn't paying attention to where he was at. He was always trying to be a bigger bootlicker. And he and he was willing to do whatever he, you know, just destroy anybody to to be to work his way up to to Moff. And he was, yeah, he was. You knew he wasn't going to make it out. You knew he wasn't going to make it out. <laughs> I don't know. Um, he seemed he seemed very eager. I knew he had to be higher up the ranks, but something that I something that really got me thinking was as soon as I watched um, Rogue One, I came home and I put hooked up my VCR and I put in the VHSs of my Star Wars. That was the first thing and, you did. Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> well, no, I guess the first thing I did was I went to the bathroom because I really had to go. And then I let the dogs go bathroom. And then I hooked up my VCR and I watched the horse. All right, so what were you looking and, for? <laughs> well, it wasn't that I was looking for. I just I was so excited I wanted to watch Star Wars. And then I get to the scene where they're having the conference where Tarkin comes in and talks about how the Senate has now been disbanded. Right. And I noticed around the table there's a seat there's one seat that doesn't have anybody in it. And it actually got me thinking, would that have been Director Krennic's seat on the council table if he didn't just get blowed up? Oh. Good catch. Wow. Because, I mean, he has to be of some importance. He's wearing a white suit, which anybody from the expanded universe knows that that white suit is of, of, of some importance because that's the same suit that Grand Admiral Thrawn wears in the extended universe. This, and I know I know Thrawn's in Rebels. Um, does he wear a white uniform, too? He wears a white uniform, too, just without the cape. Hmm. Is he the same sort of – I'm not going to ask that question, but I was, I'm wondering, is, does he, is he the same sort of – is he the same character as he is in the Expanded Universe as he is in Rebels? For the most part, I believe he is. Right, but I mean, did, did he have to – did the Emperor send him off, you know, out to the unexplored regions and he sort of comes back? Or Well, yeah, yeah, because the thing was is – um, I don't know if they've really hit on it on Rebels. I could have missed the episode or not. Um, in the Timothy Zahn books, it's explained that the Emperor does not like creatures that are not of human origin. Right. And even though Thrawn has a humanoid, uh, you know, body build, he's still blue. He's still an alien, which keeps him down in the ranks by Palpatine's standards but awards him with things like certain medals, certain uniforms. So when he's out in the outer rims doing the work for the emperor, yet nobody knows who he is, he still has that presence there because they see the uniform and it's like, oh, crap. Right. So that is definitely one of uh, so that's one of the... Um, of course, one of the funny things I did is I love the fact that K2 started saying I had a bad feeling about this and never got to finish it. Right. That ah. was so funny. That was amazingly funny. <laughs> He's like, I got to, nope, nope, we know this line. Just keep moving. You know what they said? Just keep moving. <laughs> move along. Move along. So, of course, you saw Chopper, but there has to be, like, one major standout thing for you, Richard. There had to be one that, like, made you go, yep, I'm going to have to go home and change my underwear. <laughs> I don't know about that, but. <laughs> I did. Darth Vader. End of story. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was just happy that, you know, it actually played really well with the continuity of the originals, you know. Instead of trying to change continuity, it actually made it better. And that was a very, to me, very pleasant surprise. So yeah, who likes the walkers? I, I didn't notice a big difference between the walkers. What, what did I miss? So they are a new version of the walkers. They're the eight, I believe. And okay. These walkers are a little different than the walkers that you meet on Hoth because these are originally designed actually to carry the kyber crystals. Oh, okay. Aww. 
Hmm. And they had some sort of rapid fire function too, right? Yes. Or okay. I don't know. They're pretty imposing. <laughs> oh, dude! Uh, absolutely. Just I could not. I just that one scene where all of a sudden it's run. No, run, run. Like move. You have got to go, and you have got to go now. Was absolutely amazing. Which let's let's give a shout out. Um, I can't remember how to pronounce his name. Richard, help me. The blind guy. Oh, um. Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. Pat Richard, you're supposed to be on my side. You're supposed to know all these things. Come on now. I'm one. I'm one with the force. I'm one with the force. That's all I remember. I'm one with the force, and the force (laughs) is with me. I'm one with the force, and the force (laughs) is with me. That's like the new. That's like the new line for anything. It's great. Uh, It's like. Oh, I, I know I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but it's like Chirut Imwe or something like that. Sounds good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. That works. Yeah, that sounds good. Greatest character ever. He was so awesome. And just the fact that I, he has to be force sensitive, at least, because that scene where he walks out to for the to help with the transmission he's like I'm one with the force the force is nothing hit him the moment he stopped that chance that's when he got shot that brings up a um an interesting well that's not interesting but a problem that I have with the whole the whole Star Wars universe is that it's only been 18 years or so since the destruction of the Jedi why is why is it so mythic why why is it so mythic? I just don't understand. I mean, there's people there's people alive that fought in the Clone Wars alongside of Jedi, saw what they could do, and and people just it's gone from their memory, you know. By you know the the scene you talked about earlier, where in four when they're at that table, you know they're acting like some ancient religion. It was only 18 years ago. I mean, <laughs> that's what kills me. And well, it's been around forever. No, it has been around forever because you have the Journal of the Will. Right. And that was mentioned. That was mentioned. That's what that temple was, wasn't it? It was a... Yeah. Yeah. It was a... Yeah. And um, the one thing that I didn't like, though, is I saw all the Kyber crystals coming and going, but they were all white. Why were all these Kyber crystals white? We know they come in red, green, blue, purple, and black even. Why were all of these white? Don't don't they change colors once they fight in their hosts? I don't know yeah. because do they? Is that something that because I because I know like the original um rebels not the not the three D one but the original like yeah like two dimensional cartoon one uh, where we see uh, Anakin become a Jedi Knight in um when they blow up. Um, the one Jedi temple, the kyber crystals were all multiple colors. I don't know. That might that might be a little nitpicky, Amanda. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just asking a question. I'm allowed to ask questions. You have but to I suspend think, some belief. <laughs> I just want to know. 
I have questions. I need to know. Does it become? Will it become? Is it going to be white until it bonds with me, or does? Or is it already going to be a color and I could just go? I really want a black saber, so I want that one. I just I need to know before I build my lightsaber. Duh. Well, I know I know that the Sith sabers turn red because of the warp because of the, the way that they warp the force and warp them to their their will. They turn red. And then later they become red because they're they're synthetic Kyber. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but yeah, <laughs> they, they, become, they are synthetic Kyber, so they automatically they're, they they come out red rather than taking some color cue from their the will of their user. Um, interesting. Hmm. And and but since you course- mentioned it, has anybody gone through and? and like compared the hue and saturation of Luke's sword or lightsaber when he's wielding it to when Ray has it or when Finn has it, have they done that? Have they, have they light sourced that one yet? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think they have. Hmm. That's an interesting project for somebody who has a lot more time than I do. <laughs> yeah. Just let me add that to my list. Hold on. Yeah. Put that on your list. Put that on my list. Right after, ooh, can't wait for Christmas because I got a Chewbacca Nerf uh, bowcaster for Christmas already. Oh, that's dangerous. I'm afraid of you. It'll look so cute with my Wookiee outfit. It'll be so cute. <laughs> I get to walk around in my Wookiee onesie with my bowcaster. Pew, pew. <laughs> only problem is it's like a bowcaster, so I have to load each dart individually. That's like the only part that sucks. But, oh, so talking a little bit more about Rogue One here. So we have a bunch of characters that we're never going to see again. We got some amazing people that we always loved and adored. We, uh, again, this story, and again, this movie is really run by its story, not by the characters as much as it is the story. The characters are, it's actually funny. Like, normally they talk about how you need all this character development, but if you actually do a really decent movie, you can run it by the story itself. And Rogue One really did prove to be able to do that. And. I'm not saying that there's no character development because there is some. It, but you have, like, the misguided youth who really is a good person at heart, even though I love the scene when Jin runs out of the, the um, what it, it looks like the old, like, military tanks from uh, the Clone Wars, it looked like, is what they were using to transport the prisoners in. And when she yeah. tried to run out, yeah. he grabs her and just slams her and he goes, Congratulations, you are being rescued. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a good sign to go, ow, that freaking hurt. Right. Because I can't imagine that that felt good. K2, I mean, he literally, I mean, he he force choke slammed her without using the force. <laughs> I know, it's an interesting comment about the pacing of it. It was, it was, it was quicker than we're, we're used to. Um, with just movies today, I, mean, I think back of like, like Jaws. Jaws is when I went back and watched it as an adult a little bit more critically. It was incredible, paced incredibly fast. But like again, we were in tune with who these uh, the archetypes were, and I think that's what helped this movie out, which got, actually got the story up and running. Is that we know who these characters are without a lot of exposition. Right. Well, it's it's one of those 
those movies where it the person went, we don't need to go into all this detail. The people who are going to go see this movie, if they actually have never seen a Star Wars movie before, they're not going to understand it. And we don't have time to – really, Richard? <laughs> what do you do? Hey, I found out what color they are. There. <laughs> Sorry. Calm what, down. What, I, <laughs> what did I miss? Oh, I sent so a link. I look, I, oh. So I look in the chat because I'm, I'm looking for this idiot who keeps trying to wreck the podcast. And because he got into the chat and I just was like, nope, now you're banned from the chat too. And so I look up, I look up because I'm constantly looking to see if this idiot Can comes in. And yeah. so Richard sends me this link. So yes, you guys are actually right. The crystal is colorless until first attuned and connected to a Jedi and or Sith Lord me, at which time it glows either blue or green or in some rare instances another shade. From that point on, it retains that hue. But what what about the the, the hue and saturation of Luke's sword? That's that's what I that's that's my undying question. I'm trying to have a conversation here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my next project, okay? Give me a minute. All right. <laughs> ah, that's great. <laughs> but I think for the fact that, you know, this is this actually should this should be what people who are constantly always rebooting these superheroes um should actually look into is we don't need this backstory or anything. This is an extension of a story that already So the people already know the story. So get to this part of the story that we need to get to. You know, if you watch the first Star Wars, it, it, it is a little bit slower than the rest of them because it does take time. You are developing characters that are going to be in a trilogy, so you need to know a little bit about them. And right. You have to develop the characters in that instance. In this instance, you really didn't need to really develop characters. You need to keep the basic outline, fill fill in the big gap, and run with the story because most people went to go see the story and the fillers and the nice little Easter eggs that were in the movie. A lot of people went to go see the really cool Easter eggs and just to hear how did they get these claims to the right. And it was very interesting to see how, because of this movie, they, that when they had all the rebels, all the, the last remaining senators of the Senate before it gets disbanded, hiding on Yavin 4, having this discussion. And they and you could just see their disbelief of this Death Star, and they're just like, we give up. It makes a lot more sense now how there's so few ships and things when you get to the Battle of the Death Star, and they are severely outnumbered. Because obviously right. a, lot of the, a lot of these people pulled out because they thought it was a hopeless cause. Because one, one of the really cool things about this movie is you didn't get to see the Death Star blow up a planet. You don't get to see it blow up a full planet until you actually watch the original Star Wars. But just one shot, one shot of one out of the three lasers from this thing is devastating. Right. Which harkens back to the way that that movie ended and the the, uh, the the first crawl from episode four, you know that they have, you know fresh off they're they're just off of a victory their first victory. Well, that was their first victory. That that what was the name of the planet? Scarif, Scarif. 
yeah, that was that was their first victory. So I mean, they're they're kind of riding high off of that first victory, and I think that's what gives the the rebel the rebels their boost. Um, I have a question that I'd like to pose to the group here. What Go. other what other story would you like to see explored? For me, I just thought of it. I'd like to know how um, they got the plans for the second, or, or not the plans for the second one, but the um, how they learn about the second Death Star, how they get the the uh, the shuttle, um, and all the what was the race of people that got killed? The uh, the Bossins. How the Bossins yeah. found out all this stuff and sacrificed so much to bring it to them. Right. That's what. That would be an interesting little little side note. What would I'm not saying that'd be the first one I'd want to see, but <laughs> what what would be something that you'd all like to see? Explanation. It, it would be really interesting. Um, it'd be also not really interesting to see how they would create the characters too. Um, if you don't know what the Bothans look like, if you're not very keen onto the Star Wars um, universe, they look like a cross between um, they they've got the humanoid look. But they have more of like a long elf ears and like a werewolf type head, and they ha- and they're shaggy all over, and they're very muscular, and they're really awesome looking. Like they look like something that came out of like Skyrim. I, I had a different different impression of how the mo- or how how boffins look. But. <laughs> well, that's that's what Star Wars says they look like, <laughs> except for the whole thing of saying Skyrim, because obviously Star Wars came out before Skyrim. But was it was it white fur? They had white fur that rippled and it was real soft. No, that's that's nitpicky uh, again too. <laughs> they come in multiple um, colors, so there's some that are brown, black. Kind of like how your dog may not have just the one color. They may be predominantly black or brown or white, but because it's fur, right? it's fur. <laughs> what do you expect? But um, they're about, let's see, let's, let's do some Google searching. Uh, furry mammalian arthropods about 1.5 meters tall, hailing from Bothawai and several colonies. Bathawee. Bathawee. Bothans differ in facial appearance and body structure with canine, feline, and equine features. They were known for being master politicians and spies craving intrigue and subterfuge. Mm-hmm. All right. uh, the Bothans were famously credited with acquiring intelligence about the location and of Emperor Palpatine's presence aboard the second Death Star during the Battle of Endor, enabling the Rebel Alliance to destroy the battle station. However, many of them died to bring the Alliance's information. They played a large role in the founding of the New Republic and in the development of its government. So there. That would actually be quite an interesting thing. I would like to see that. I have some more clarity on it. Like, I know in the expanded universe there was one Bothawi who was kind of a a tool, and he always threw that in their face that they, you know, the, the reasons the, the Bothawis are the reasons that they even had the plans for the second Death Star, and then they, they gave so much up. And I think that didn't the, didn't the Empire uh, enslave Bothawi at one point? I don't know. That's the expanded universe stuff, anyway. Never mind. <laughs> you know what, though. It, you never know what they will or will not do. 
because one of the things one of the things from the expanded universe was that how Han met Chewie was because Han was working for the Empire at the time, and again the Empire's distaste for anything that's not human. Um, he had enslaved Kashyyyk and were enslaved. He was enslaving Wookiees. And so he decided, yeah, um, he didn't like the way that Chewbacca was being treated. That's how they met, and he left with them. He left with them. Hmm. How did they recon that? I don't remember. I mean, like, I know that there's one of the new books that is new canon. They go back to Kashyyyk. Um, I can't remember the, the book now either. Maybe it didn't happen. And then but. they have Life Day. <laughs> right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's coming. Y'all do realize it is time to watch a Star Wars Christmas special. Right. Or the, holiday um, special. Sorry, the holiday special. Because they don't celebrate Christmas. They celebrate Life Day. Right. <laughs> Carrie Fisher singing. Oh, sweet. Oh, I just like B. Arthur in it. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> oh, come on. Let's face it. The only thing that was enjoyable in that entire freaking thing was the cartoon. Even though the animation was horrible, just absolutely horrible, it's it's the cartoon that made it. <laughs> so, with this movie, where does it rank on your Star Wars movies list? Who are you asking first? Either. Go ahead, Richard. Um, I say about almost three. And what are the two that beat it out? Of course, Star Wars. And then I actually still like Episode Two. I'm sorry, what? I like the IMAX, IMAX cut of Episode Two. <laughs> oh wow! It's you totally think you know, it, it's you totally think you know somebody. <laughs> It's totally different. The the second one in IMAX is totally different than what came out in theaters. Huh. What, they cut That's, out that whole horrible love story? Of course they did. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, totally as long as they sense. cut that out, it's great. <laughs> oh, my God. Mm. Richard? What? I love you, but... Ow. <laughs> I don't know, but that was perfect. Whatever somebody dropped, that was great timing. So thank you. Um, <laughs> that was not what I was expecting. Oh my god! Uh, I don't know where to go. Uh, what are you laughing about? Save me, Jesse. Where does this rank for you? Oh, okay. Um, for me, it's a, it's number two. Empire being my number one. This is number two, and the rest of the list just doesn't matter. But um. Yeah, this is this this is number two. Um, and last week I'd mentioned that I was looking for like a World War II kind of feel to it, and that's what the battle at the end had to me. Yeah, you had, you know, a a beach attack, and a dogfight above the battle. It was that was what I was hoping for. That's actually what I always loved about Star Wars was the the the, the aerial fighting, the uh, the dogfights, and that's what I got. I wanted World War II style dogfights and I was happy. So number two. I would two, have liked to see more of the dogfighting take place in space, but I still enjoyed watching it on the planet. 
it was the whole thing was just the. And I, I've told everybody the last 15 minutes of the movie is just fantastic. It's it 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 was hitting on all my geek cylinders watching that. Yep. And I'd have to agree with Richard as it's in my third spot, but I do not agree with his choices. <laughs> I have what? to go. I have to go Empire because for me that is still so emotional and one of the greatest flips in history when Vader tells Luke that he is actually his father. It's one of the greatest spoilers of all time. Um, two will still belong to Star Wars because it is the introduction to this universe. The introduction to the characters and the introduction to a movie that has spanned so many years, so many generations, and people are still dressing up as the characters, buying the toys, going to go see the movie. And that's why Star Wars still gets second place on the list. If it wasn't for the fact that that was the original, this would take its place. So this gets place number three for me because it's, it was just phenomenal. It is. It was better than Return. It's better than The Force Awakens. Um, I don't believe in the prequels. I say they're fan film. <laughs> so. uh, honestly, the, the for me the the last twenty minutes of uh, of Episode Three are really good. That made the whole prequels worth it for me. Um, and that was the only time I cared about any of those characters. It's the only time I cared about Anakin. The only time I really cared, you know, about Obi Wan was that speech that he gives at the end while he's burning. That was the best part. Now, the, the battle between Anakin and Obi Wan in Revenge of the Sith is absolutely, with hands down, probably the most gorgeous thing to come out of that prequel. It was just amazing watching these guys go at it. I didn't really care too much for the Yoda versus um, Palpatine, only because, again. I know Master Yoda, and when I see a cartoon that shows Master Yoda fighting and it looks better than what the movie does, it's really hard for me to get behind Yoda looking like Kermit the Frog on crack. Right. All three of those and, movies suffer from uh, the digital process, the digital film, um, and I'm so glad that they can go that direction. The uh, The technology's gotten a lot better, but it was there was just it was too much. It was just too much. <laughs> and it is. Um, in today's day and age, you can't go all props like you did when the, or the originals came out. You can't go all props because there's so much that people expect out of a movie, and you have to keep the attention of a generation that wants everything now. They, you know, as, as, ba- as hard as it is to, to, to even we, even though we grew up in that era, we have even succumbed to the prettiness of the 4K and the high definition and the amazing things that the technology can give us that we want to see them in movies that have things like Star Wars in the title. We want to see that Wars part of it. And right. so you need that technology. But again, I stand by, and it has been proven that you can have a nice balance of both. You know, you have to have a balance of the force, and you have to have a balance of your CGI and your, your models, your Muppets, and everything else. You balance the two together, and you have something that's also flawless when you put it out on the floor. Right. 
Now, Richard, correct me. You 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 like films and stuff like that, but um, episode one was the first all di- like first movie shot on digital, wasn't it? Like um, all no, digital. Actually, actually, it was. Well, wasn't it that Sky? What was it, the one with Angelina Jolly in it? Sky Master. Sky. What was that called? Sky it was Shiner. Yeah, it was that one. It was sort of like the throwback to the old serials. Um, right. Was that, that Lucasfilm? No, that was somebody else. That was all digital, if I remember right. Mm. Well, I remember. It I remember, was, it was. It was. It was. Maybe, maybe it was this episode one that had, was the biggest release or the biggest hit film. It was all digital, and people thought it was changing. The, you know, the technology was all changed. The movies were made that totally, way. Are you I talking Sky he, Captain in the World of Tomorrow? Yeah, that's the first one. It was all digital. The first movie of Star Wars was technically shot on film, and they digitized the film, didn't they? I thought they, they invented digi- new cameras <laughs> for it. That no, it was, was one the- shot on film, and it got digitally remastered. Um, it got digitally remastered in the nineteen like early nineties, and then no, I think mid nineties we got the digitally remastered, and then I think it was like two or three years after that is when he came out with the special edition. Well, no, I'm, I'm talking no, about no, no, episode no, no, no. one. Episode one. Yeah. It I wasn't that shot was... on digital. I thought it was shot on film. Then oh. they went through and they actually digitized because the cameras weren't ready yet. Oh, I, I don't know. know. I'll be honest. I know a lot of Star Wars canon, but I really don't pay attention to anything when it comes to the prequels. I really don't. <laughs> I, 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 Again, I will say that I will I will state this. It's not the fact that they say they are Star Wars movies. Those movies, even if you take out the fact that they're Star Wars, they're bad. I've seen fan films with better character development, better plots, better storylines. If I want to watch a movie like Star Wars: The Phantom Menace, I'll go watch CNN. <laughs> I didn't come here to watch a political debate. I'm here to watch Star Wars. And the only bit of Star Wars that you give me in The Phantom Menace was Darth Maul. That didn't last very long. Right. One of the greatest scores John Williams ever wrote. And and that's all I get of it. No. Well, they reused it at the the, Mustafar, right? I know they did. Yeah. What is it called? Battle, Battle of the Wills or Battle of... Test of uh, Fates or Battle of Fates. The name of the the music that he composed was Duel of Fates. Duel of Fates, that's what it was, yeah. Da, da, da. Which is, for me, I like that one a lot, but it was too reminiscent of, uh, oh, I can't remember, uh, the Carmina Burana, which if you look, Google that, you'll recognize that from every evil movie you've ever heard. But it, sounds, it reminds me a lot of, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, it reminds me of the Duel of Fates or Battle of whatever. reminds me a lot of the Carmina Barada. So, since we are talking a little bit about music, I know we're a little bit over time, so we are going to cut the, we're going to stop here in a little bit. How did you feel about this movie being scored by somebody who was not John Williams? I'm, I, I was okay with it. Um, I think there was enough counterplay. To, to make it feel, the, to give nods to John Williams. Um, you know, there was familiar themes. Um, it was very large. 
And that was the other thing that I like about it, too. It was very, very large music. That's all I can say about it. <laughs> because it didn't even pop in my mind until I started listening to music. I was like, wait a minute. That's not uh, John Williams' M.O. And so, of course, you know, I'm going to be like on my phone going, oh, he didn't do the score to what do you mean John Williams didn't do the score to this? He always does the score to these. But I think it kind of works out not having John Williams do it and not having a Star Wars crawl. Because this isn't Star Wars Rogue One. This is Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I also think it's that they're trying to break all the fans of the of all the cliche and all the Star Wars trappings. I mean, that's what I, I think I they're trying to do a little bit, too. I think it's a way for it to stand out on its own. Even though right. it is part of the universe, it really is a prequel to Star Wars itself. It does stand alone. Sure. Because it has a, it, like we said, everybody dies at the end of it. So it has a different ending than any other Star Wars movie we've ever seen. It doesn't have the crawl, so you start, you just jump right into the story. There's no exposition to read or what's going on. You jump right into it. And having someone else do the same also gives it a sense of its independence. Right. And unless they get rid of those trappings, they're going to free up other filmmakers and people like, you know, do I have to put this line in? Do I have to open with a crawl? You know, but soon right. the, uh, soon the, the, the audience will not, will come not to expect those. Right, and I think that'll, and I'm, I'm hoping as they move forward because I still want to see the crawl, and I would still like to see John Williams do eight and nine, just to keep continuity with four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I like to see that continuity between them. But we know we're getting an independent Han Solo film, and I like to see them keep it independent as well. Still tie it into the Star Wars universe, make it canon with the rest of the universe. But make it a standalone movie. Amen. Yep. <laughs> so, um, like I said, we have actually run a little bit over our time. Um, so, Richard, who is actually one of our sponsors on the Video Network, why don't you give a shout out to where people can find you? Yeah, you can uh, find us uh, over at undergroundvideonetwork.com. Uh, That's the on-demand video uh, audio podcast network and I'm on a podcast called We Talk Too Much which we're going to continue the Star Wars conversation tomorrow right Amanda? Yes we are I'll be on it so you have to come and listen it'll be fun that's if we get to talk over Mike <laughs> and Jesse do you want me to do this for you or do you have it now? Um, I don't have it I only know uh, well, actually I know nothing I'm like John okay, Snow. and Jesse Noble, the owner and operator of the two conventions who are wonderful, 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 wonderful sponsors of AGP. Yeah, I'm kissing your butt. It's okay. I'm allowed <laughs> to do that. <laughs> you can find out more about Gem City Comic Con and Champion City Comic Con. You can always go over to the website, which is gemcitycomiccon.com. You can also find both of them over on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All you have to do is type in either Gem City Comic Con or Champion City Comic Con and find out all the information from dates, hotels, and even the wonderful guests that we'll be having at the shows. So go and check out those websites. And, of course, everybody, if you want to learn more about AGP, head over to amandagillenpresents.com. Follow us over on Facebook at Amanda Gillen Presents. You can follow us on Twitter at LadyVader79, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch to 
<laughs> for you all, I hope you enjoy this. Are you ready? <clears throat> Darth Vader roasting on Lucifer, a wampa biting off your nose. And though it's been said with a bad holiday special, happy life day to you. Yay. <laughs> At least <laughs> you both went silent like, oh, crap. <laughs> I was waiting for the second verse. <laughs> Gotta keep it short. <laughs> so, guys, I hope you both have a very Merry Christmas. To all of you out there, have a Merry Christmas. May the Force be with you. Remember, you are one with the Force, and the Force is with you. Good night. <laughs> Say good night, boys. Good night, boys. Night. Night, boys. <laughs> 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 lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.